0: Podcast features interviews from women around the world, focusing on birth, business, sustainability, health, sex, death, and money. I'm your host, Eleanor Bancroft. Today, I am talking with Kate Nelson. Hey, Kate, how are you? Hey, Ella really good thank you <laughs> and you are also known by the name of plastic free mermaid
1: yes that's yeah. correct
0: so could you tell me a little bit about your story and how you managed to acquire the the pseudonym of plastic free mermaid
1: yeah sure um uh, let's see. I've, I've always volunteered and done service projects growing up. Um, then when I, when I went to school in California, uh, my volunteer work was around ocean conservation. And I was working for a scientist who was studying microorganisms ingesting microplastics. Uh, and this was about 11 years ago. And um, yeah, this incredible scientist, her name was Dr. Andrea Neal, she taught me all about plastics how it doesn't biodegrade and that it's gathering out in the oceans um in these whirlpool like natural systems called gyres um and yeah creating these massive dead dead zones where um very little life can survive because of all of the plastic and this was 11 years ago so i was quite shocked um so i jumped on a research vessel and went out to the gyre the great pacific trash gyre to see it for myself and Sure enough, it wasn't like a gigantic island of trash, but it was um, this thick plastic soup uh, that went down for meters and meters and um, yeah, into this you know vast ocean uh, where you couldn't see any land inside. It was just all this trash that had collected there. So, um, that was quite motivating for me um, at, at that age to you know, of all the issues impacting our planet, that was something that I could. I could do. I could stop my contribution, my personal contribution to plastic pollution. Um, so I quit plastics. I quit using single-use plastics. It started with straws and bags and bottles, and um, yeah, it just continued to expand outward as my definition of single-use plastics kind of expanded as well. You know, food packaging, even um, cleaning products and personal care products. Everything was. Um, was packaged in plastic and it was you know just one time use we weren't we weren't reusing that packaging so that's um how I became plastic free and yeah like like a lot of people in the area I love the ocean I I get in it every day I surf I free dive I sail when I can so um yeah I'm a mermaid
0: (laughs) I love that it's so great um what a beautiful story and also I just the impact of being able to see actually physically see what we're doing to the planet i think is such a big motivator um i think so often people you know we hear a lot about climate crisis or we hear a lot about pollution and plastic but we never actually actually especially in australia get to get to see that on an experiential level where we can really digest it and I just want to talk a little bit to microplastics and and could you explain a little bit about what they are and and how they kind of gather in the sea through what products?
1: Yeah, so so microplastics are uh, one way that um, plastic degrades. So uh, plastic doesn't biodegrade like a banana peel would out in the woods or in your backyard compost. It photodegrades, so it breaks... Uh, not down into the earth, but breaks up into millions of tiny little pieces. Um, This is when photo or light hits plastic um, when it's out in the environment or out in the ocean uh, and and eventually wears it down. Um, So the light will will over time deteriorate this material, um, but it's still not breaking down. It's just breaking up into these tiny little microscopic bits. Um, And as well... Uh, so that's what that's what we initially were studying in the ocean about 10 years ago, um, were these these macroplastics, which are about the size of your thumbnail or fingernail, and then microplastics, which are about the size of a sesame seed, um, all the way down to nanoplastics, which you can't see with the naked eye. So there are all these different sizes of plastics that uh, you know we're, we, my, the scientist, Dr. Dr. Andrea Neal, she was studying back in the day, um, you know, because the these these little bits out in the ocean, the, the ocean creatures, the, the marine life aren't uh, used to having distinguished between um, what's real food and what's, you know, synthetic materials, because this is a, a man-made creation. So they just like, non-discriminately were eating what was in the sea, uh, and it was turning out to be these little bits of plastic, and then that would then move its way up the food chain. So um, and all the negative impact, the, the negative effects of plastic, which are many, <laughs> I could talk for ages about that, but um, yeah, all of those negative impacts then biomagnify up the food chain. So they get more, they get bigger, they get, uh, their their impact magnifies or amplifies um, as bigger fish eat the smaller fish that are full of plastic. So uh, you can imagine, um, you know, what that means for us if, if we're eating seafood or shellfish or uh, you know, tuna or whatever it is that that we choose to eat, um, and if if that fish has plastic in it, then we are certainly ingesting plastics. So, so that's one way of of our exposure to microplastics, but unfortunately plastic, you know, it packages our food um, and it's flaking off into our food. It's flaking off into the environment. Um, a lot of clothes these days, fast fashion are made from synthetic materials made from, from plastic. So um, you know, even the clothes are, are shedding these little microfibers. Yes, when we wash them, but also just like brand new fresh off the, um, off the rack, in, in you walk into a store full of fast fashion, and there's a hundred percent, you know, micro fibers in the air there that are then settling as dust, that are then being swept outside, maybe down into the waterways. So there's so many ways that we're encountering these little micro of plastic.
0: Wow, yeah, it's a much bigger story than I think a lot of people are aware of. I like to um, talk a little bit about the clothing space mm. and. Um, you know, I'm a huge advocate for reuse and reduce and actually just don't consume a large amount of um, fashion products myself. But um, there's, you know, these interesting new trends coming up with a lot of recycled plastic clothing, you know, it's a lot, you see it a lot in swimwear and yoga wear. Um, Do you, I don't know, I have this interesting uh, back and forth argument with it, which is that actually to reproduce plastic clothing you know even if it is recycled we're still creating those microplastics in the washing machine would then go back into the ocean what are your thoughts on that space
1: yeah i mean i think it's tough um you know i the biggest most important thing at this stage in our like global ecological journey is transparency because there is no perfect solution um you know, so it's just the more we can talk about this stuff, the more we can ask questions and drive transparency up the supply chain, the better products we're going to have, the better products um, manufacturers are going to produce, because the consumers are going to be more savvy and asking better questions and demanding higher quality, more sustainable, or even regenerative products. so um, yeah, I mean, recycled plastic, swimwear you know, it's kind of our best option at the moment, recycled plastic, active wear, there's a lot of um, great natural uh, materials that um, you could definitely practice yoga in, for example, or go running in. So, um, you know, organic cotton or bamboo, but they also, or hemp, hemp is a great material, Uh, but a lot of these materials need to be blended with something synthetic in order to give them stretch. Uh, So it's, you know, it's kind of pick your battles, Um, I personally prefer to wear hemp with a little bit of stretch. Um, It just feels better on my body. But in in the ocean when I'm swimming, definitely I'm wearing recycled plastic. Um, And that's also, you know, I make that choice very consciously, hoping that it will increase um, demand for recycled products, therefore increasing our very broken recycling system, you know, trying to uh, just, invest in in the recycling um infrastructure which um yeah but you're right there's still there's st- it's still flaking microplastics or microfibers um any synthetic material is so the best we can do is, is aim for natural blends with the smallest amount of synthetic stretch and that synthetic hopefully is recycled but you know with with the reason that recycling is such a broken system is that recycling isn't a really accurate term we're always downcycling because plastic is there's so many different kinds and it's full of labels and dyes and inks and additives that it's not just one pure material like say glass or metal when we can recycle those it's a mix of all these chemicals so um yeah it can't just be recycled into another plastic bottle or another um swimsuit it has to actually be mixed with virgin plastic to be able to really be a strong material so yeah it's a huge topic.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's massive. And, and plastic is it everything when you start to actually, you know become aware of it. It's like you, you suddenly notice around, you know me and my, my flatmate we do relatively majority waste-free I'd say we're like an 80% waste-free our household but even just witnessing what's in our you know in our trash can at the end of the week it's like some things just seem like impossible and you know we even live in an area where sustainability and bulk stores and all of that is so rife but for so many people they don't they don't have that opportunity or they may not have those stores in their areas like what would you suggest for people who are living in you know, smaller country towns around Australia, perhaps, or anywhere in the world that don't have access to those spaces, how they could, you know, bring in a more plastic free space into their home?
1: Yeah, that's such a good question, Ella. Um, I think we're such, we're in such a bubble here. And, um, you know, just because some people are living out in an area where they don't have access to all this stuff doesn't mean that they don't want to, eat food packaged in plastic um so that's why it's really important for us who are in these areas to really invest in you know bulk foods and local organic produce and unwrapped packaging and stuff so that we can try and influence the economy to make these things more accessible to everyone um but yeah for people out in in these areas i think you know as much as they can trying to buy local produce um you know, the, the side of the road stands are such an amazing thing that we have here in Australia. Um, trying to go to the farmer's markets and, and adjusting our schedules so that we can, uh, you know, so that we prioritize whatever day the farmer's market is on. If it's a little bit of a drive away, maybe making a list and, and alternating with community, other people in the community that value eating fresh whole foods and taking turns going to the farmer's market and stocking up for each other. Um, additionally, you know, a lot of the bulk food stores that we have access here, access to here, are actually getting all of their lentils and rice and nuts. All of that's getting shipped to them in a gigantic plastic bag. Mm. So, yes, you know, I, I, yes, it's better. It's less packaging, um, but it's still plastic. So, I don't think people in rural areas should be feel disempowered. To you know, you, they can just order bulk almonds themselves from from a supplier and um split it with other people in the community or seal it up nice in a in a like a repurposed bucket um and then they have their food stocked up for the year maybe even even half a year and you know just try and keep the bugs out of it and keep it fresh and um they've got their own little bulk stash and they'll be that'll be way cheaper than what we're, what we're paying um so yeah that's and that's people can do that here too you know it's just the convenience of having it all in one place at a bulk food store, but we, we, we shouldn't feel bad about doing it the way they're doing it, but for our own um, selves here. Mm.
0: Yeah. And, you know, to speak to that a little bit more, um, that's essentially what a co-op is, you know, like a cooperative where, um, you know, a group of people band together and, and they share resources, which is essentially taking us back to that tribe time, um, that exactly. tribe mentality, that community space where we are actually distributing all of our resources evenly amongst everybody. And um, I, I think that's, the, that's probably one of the best ways that people that, that don't have resources, um, don't have uh, bulk stores can actually tap into creating not only community, but also being able to um, share and learn those really beautiful, compassionate lessons of what it looks like to actually have to, yeah, give resources to each other in that way.
1: Yeah, and, you know, that's what makes it affordable too because otherwise, you know, and and time-wise, like one of the biggest things on my journey as I try to share my, my Plastic Free Lifestyle um with people with my network is man how do i don't have time for this and so that's again where the co-op system really comes into play it's like who else is in your community that wants to live this way who else wants to stop eating packaged processed foods you know all these processed milks out there that are like shelf stable like it's what's in that you know there's so many preservatives and things that um aren't natural or aren't easy for our body to necessarily digest or or you know um, and it's all packaged in plastic. So I could go on for hours about all the all the things that plastic do, does for our bodies. But ultimately, yeah, we, we intuitively know that that's not something that we really want to ingest. So yeah, who in your community is um, health conscious? Uh, you know, who goes to yoga, who goes to work, who works out, um, who serves, who has a relationship with nature, these are the people that, you know, you could bring in to um, form a community and you know, maybe you are the one that starts to make hummus for the group that week or or make almond milk or oat milk or something, um, and you just say, "Hey, I made a huge batch of this. Um, it's gonna go bad you know before I can eat it all like would you like some?" Oh, you know, then you're sharing you're starting this sort of like share economy um, and hey, I made this huge batch of hummus, it's great on salads, it's great on sandwiches, I, you know bring it to the picnic, whatever um, and then you're starting to like show this sharing of resources, showing the sharing of food. And maybe next week someone's like, Hey, how did you make that? Um, Oh, it's so easy. All you do is blend chickpeas. You soak them before, you know, and then they're making it. It's like, would you make a, could I pay you five bucks to make a little extra? I just don't have time this week, you know? And so it's like, that's like how we can start working together. And as you said, it's so beautiful to connect with our neighbors, you know, back in the day when we used to literally borrow sugar from the neighbors, we had relationships with these people um, and these days we have so many fences and walls and and you know emotional walls between connecting with other humans and and yet you know loneliness and and suicide and mental health these are some of the biggest challenges for us as a nation so um yeah, really beautiful way to connect with with other people
0: definitely, and also just speaking to you know the plastic free life what what do you feel it's had an impact in in your health um you know i i i hearing a lot about you know the plastics that our food comes in and the packaging and what that does then to our insides how has your life shifted with what you eat because of having a plastic free life
1: yeah i mean I'm, i'm because of my sort of ethical boundaries against plastic um and even my Ecological boundaries against plastic. It's um, you know I I can only shop on the periphery of supermarkets, so I can't go into the middle aisles. You know, I mean, yeah, I'll go in for jars of pickles, and those are great to reuse glass jars with metal screw top lids. Um, but those are fermented, so they're pretty pretty healthy. um Yeah, I, I can mostly eat only fresh whole foods, fresh veggies and and fruits, and um, that's how our bodies are really designed to digest and absorb nutrients is from this like, just kind of whole food. Uh, so I don't eat um, any packaged food, anything um, packaged in plastic, and, and usually that means I'm not eating processed food uh, because plastic is the main um, the main packaging that's been used for, for our food and also personal care products and things. Um, yeah, I just, I don't even consider all of these chips and cookies and, um, and that doesn't mean that I don't miss them, you know, like I see people eating chips and things and I'm like, oh man, that looks delicious. But ultimately, you know, I'm trying to take a really hard stand against plastics to, um, yeah, stand for something and, and, um, try and influence some culture change and some social change. And, uh, if that means that I don't eat, processed foods as well like that's a win um, for my health and yeah I just feel I feel good I feel super vibrant and um, I've studied Ayurveda so um, I think that's also helped inform um, how I eat and how I cook and what spices I use and um, how I prepare meals at different um, times of the year based on the seasons and what local produce is available. So yeah, getting really creative in the kitchen has been a really beautiful um, part of this plastic free journey.
0: Mm, So beautiful. And just taking the time also to slow down, it sounds like as well, you know, I think a lot of um, packaged goods or processed foods, it's, it's really instant buying. It's a lot like fast fashion in the way that it's that instant gratification rather than, when you actually take the time to like, you know, put some potatoes on and let them slow cook and then you get to eat them like chips. I mean, it's very similar, but it just takes time. And we live in this like heavy pressured time society that really tricks people into thinking they don't have a lot of time when there is so much time we have in our lives, you know? Yeah,
1: that's such a great point. I think, you know, especially being raised in the States where, um, you know, there's one track, it's like the rat race and you just have to go and, and, um, make money and go faster and buy more and achieve more and own bigger things and own more things and replace them for new things. Um, it is a really fast paced life and, um, it's so beautiful when you slow down, you know, having, uh, stopping using plastics really halted me, um, because so many of my options or the, so many of the things that I was accustomed to buying, um, you know, were just convenient and easily accessible. I had to just rethink everything. I had to rethink, okay, how am I going to drink milk? Oh, it should, do I even like milk? Is that even something that I want in my body? You know, like I actually prefer black coffee. It's actually um, that's, you know, it so it helped me kind of rethink my approach to food instead of, just taking what's accessible and what's available and what's on offer. It's like, no, this is actually me coming back to like my own sovereignty and coming back to myself and being able to make choices based on like what my body needs and what, you know, what i what I'm called to as opposed to just what's available and what's convenient and what's in front of me or what's being marketed to me, um, which has been such an incredible, you know, sort of realization. Um, as I step on this path of, of trying to inspire people to, to use less plastics. It's really, it's not about the plastics. It's not about the materials that we're engaging with or encountering. It's more about just like being, having agency. Um, and yeah, you're right. Like taking the, taking the time to just slow down instead of just getting caught up in the pace that's ever quickening and ever quickening. Um, and we get anxiety and we get stressed and we get sick. Um, and we're just eating on the go. We're doing. We're wearing new clothes because the trends are going so quickly. And you know, we don't have time to sit down and enjoy a meal. We don't have time to sit down and prepare a meal. And that's where all the digestive juices start flowing for us to better digest our food too. Like when we start cutting the herbs and we start cutting the garlic and the ginger, and then we put it on the stove and the smells, and the aromas. You know, that's that's the first stage of digestion. So, um, slowing down and and really feeling into how we want to live our life and what quality of life we want to have and um, making choices for our own selves. Um, yeah, it's such a empowering, um, you know, coming back to our own agency. It's, it's really empowering. Mm.
0: Yeah, I had this moment on the weekend, actually. I was um, sitting by a fire and just kind of really taking it in and, you know, just had this moment where I was like, oh how presence actually combats consumption like Mm -hmm. as soon as you are present and you know you allow thoughts to dissipate out of your head about what you want next or what's going to be happening next or you know your desires you can actually just sit in the moment and enjoy that space and I was like you know just said to my flatmate like that's it we just need to do more mindful practices you know I'm so I'm so big on the fact that you know the systems aren't Changing at the rate that I would like them to right now. So for me, the the biggest thing I can do in my life to combat the climate crisis and what's going on is to really take note of of my consumption, and that really falls on taking the time to truly ask myself, "Do I need this right now?" You know, you know, and not, "Do I want this?" But do I need this? I think we've we've come and grown up in societies, both America and Australia, where Everything is so accessible to us, you know that we don't actually get the time or the the moment to check in if that's really going to serve us um, and also get carried away with you know group mentality or what everybody else in society is doing and so I really just like I think encourage people who are wanting to go on in this direction to to think of some kind of mindfulness practice that they can bring into their life because that will ultimately help to aid and, um, you know, reduce their consumption. I truly believe that. Um, do you have mindful practices that you do?
1: Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, you're spot on Ella. It's, um, I went to, I mean, I've had a yoga practice that I've been very committed to for the past, um, nine years. So every morning I wake up, um, and do some stretches, um, And yeah, I try to practice every day. uh, And that really helps me come back to my body. It helps me come back to my breath. Um, And then I sit and I meditate after that practice. If I know I'm going to go for a surf or do something else, um, when I wake up, I sit in bed when I'm still very close to that dream state. um, And I try to take at least 10 deep breaths without any thoughts. Um, So this can be challenging some mornings um other times it's 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 quite easy but yeah that really helps me to start my day with with peace um and quiet and stillness and um coming back to to who i am as an individual and coming back to my agency instead of just waking up and rushing into the emails or or whatever it is that i'm that i'm working on that day um also uh something that i've been developing lately um, I went to Hawaii at the beginning of the year and studied Tantra. Um, And that was, I went there, you know, Tantra can get a bad rap because of all the sort of like new age Tantric sex, um, which is, you know, great and wonderful. Um, But I was there to study um, presence. Like you were talking about is how to, how to be more present, how to um, be present to this moment, how to um, really, um, you know, because we don't, the past is, is a memory, the future is is still to come, but all we have is this this moment right here, right now. And, you know, if we're not present for this moment, we're missing out on so much of our life. Um, and you're right, and, and we, we don't always make choices that are really serving us, um, serving our needs, um, as opposed to our wants. It can be really confusing. Um, so, yeah i've the practice of just being present and um, you know bringing myself back to to my breath and sitting and this uh you know one of my most favorite mindfulness practices is just a super simple pause, so yes, I have my rituals, how I start my day and how I end my day, maybe with some journaling or um having moon rituals and different things like that but um the thing that really serves me is uh, when I'm out in the world, out in the wild, uh, engaging with other humans and um, perhaps finding myself in tricky situations where I'm not really sure how um, my soul or how my spirit or how my higher self um, might wants to respond in that moment, I just take a pause. So if I'm talking with someone, I just say, hey, I just, need, I just need a moment and I'll walk away. I'll take a breath or if I'm on the phone, I just pause or put it on mute. Um, And just close my eyes and bring a hand to my heart and a hand to my belly. And I take a few deep breaths. And that really helps me to just feel grounded. I feel my feet on the earth. And I remember that I'm a part of this planet. I'm, I'm here on this earth and I'm a part of nature. And I take a few deep breaths and I have my hand on my belly, which, you know, is kind of, you know, where my power comes from and my drive and my will and my connection to my purpose. And I have a hand on my heart. Where I just fill myself with love and gratitude and compassion, and I take a few more deep breaths, and I just feel into you know what is the next best action for myself, what is the next right choice, and yeah, and I just listen for that guidance, and I listen for um, you know when I close my eyes, I can call on my gods, and I'm sitting in a circle with them, with the many elders who I've met in real life, and then also spiritual. Um, guides who I've connected with, so yeah, I can tune into to that circle, um, and usually I'm given the um, the answer. So uh, then I can come back to the conversation or the situation and feel really connected to myself and really um, able to to walk or speak with intention. So that's a mindful practice that that really serves me in my day to day.
0: Yeah, I I hear that so much, and I think especially in the world that's so noisy that we have right now with the internet and social media, and just you know how how loud the external forces can be. I think coming back to that deep listening place, it's it's such an ancient practice, and you know mm. specifically I'm talking more to um Aboriginal Australia, but you know didari, which is the the practice of meditation it, it translates to deep listening. And actually mm-hmm. for me and what I know culturally in my experience is like, this is the state where the dream time exists, you know, mm-hmm. it's the state where we can actually tap into a deeper knowing and understanding once we kind of silence everything that's going on around us. And I think that innately when everybody does that, they can fall into a really, heart, compassionate space for themselves and and for the world around them and and really prevent a lot of, um, I guess, unwarranted emotions arising, which can often happen when we feel really, you know, um, condensed by noise or, like, things are constantly screaming at us. And um, speaking to that, because you have a strong online presence and and you are like a big advocate on social media for your cause how do you how do you quiet that that space or how do you actually have and have you developed a good relationship with social media
1: Hmm. (laughs) um it's kind of a journey hey it's um sometimes i've got a lot of energy for it sometimes i'm really creative and, um, and connected to the network, the actual people that are on the receiving end or I'm engaged in communicating with them and, um, uh, or just putting out, you know, really inspiring or educational content that they're stoked on. Um, other times I just need so much time for myself and just, you know, I feel like I'm, Putting out just random stuff, and as I you know walk in nature and just and spend my time um, with myself and being present to my my journey and my development as a as a human separate from my social presence. Um, so I think it's it's like anything in nature; it kind of ebbs and flows. Um, and I'm so comfortable with that, you know. Like when I do have the energy for it, I kind of just like focus. I shift my schedule and I just put my time into. Um, into the campaigns I'm running or I'm part of. Um, and when I don't have the energy for it, I just put, put things on hold and, and just allow myself to, to live in, in my
0: own skin. Hmm. I feel like social media is a very interesting parallel to life, you know, like when you have a purpose and a drive, like it makes sense. And when you don't, you're just kind of like, you know, floundering, I guess, in some senses. Mm-hmm. And, and, and for me, intention is, is really strong in my life. I really try to sit with what my intention is for each space. And, you know, do you, do you calculate that before you send things out in your social media space? Is it a premeditated, um, you know, curation of what you're trying to, to create and the message you're trying to spread? Mm, not
1: really (laughs) um I what I'm what the things that I'm building on the on um you know in my own personal life I guess or my, my professional life outside of social media are very curated and intentional and um and that's why I'm home in Byron just you know for these next three months, just like really focusing on on building these um, resources and tools for people to engage with and really learn from um, and be supported on on their own journey connecting back to nature and slowing down and using less plastics and all of those good things um and Instagram is still kind of just you know yeah I have a I have a large following and and I know that people love receiving tailored um material that they can you know that's very professional but man I, I feel like it's also just really authentic to my own journey and self when I'm just like you know in the moment this is what I'm doing this is my plastic free stuff and and people respond really well to that as well so um, I really don't put too much pressure on myself I think that some people that have really curated feeds on Instagram they look absolutely gorgeous and it you know it works for them and um, me personally I'd rather spend time on other stuff, you know, than like making a really polished Instagram. Um, so yeah, I, I'm, i you know, I'm super interested in um, so many other things. I'm interested in all the science. I've been studying a lot about how plastic affects human health. Um, so I'm trying to put together content, videos and things explaining that, that so that people understand and have a little bit more urgency around why they should stop using plastics, super interested in the climate, Um, you know, empowering myself and educating myself so that I can be a better spokesperson for that issue as well. I mean, that issue as if it's just one thing. Um, and then also like the solutions, you know, like the innovation is so exciting. There's, yeah, there's a lot of depressing stats and facts and even our community has been on fire the past few weeks. But, you know, the, the things that we can invest in and, and bring on to to get us out of this mess are so cool, you know, like marine permaculture and seaweed farming to draw on the carbon out of the atmosphere. And um regenerative agriculture and just to see all the amazing regenerative regenerative farms that are popping up in this area even and being able to visit them and learn and play with soil like there's so much cool stuff to experience and learn about in this world that you know i just want to spend as little time on instagram as possible
0: yeah
1: (laughs) (laughs) i'm so grateful to have the, the network and i hope i'm offering good stuff but yeah i know i could be doing more
0: Oh, you definitely are. I've been on your Instagram. It's very educational, and I love the way that you conduct yourself online. I think it's yeah, it's really admirable. You really, I really feel your sense of passion when I look at your your feed or you know read your posts. So I think that's really like the most powerful way to use social media. Really, is to to come from your heart and your passion and and what drives you, and then you know share that with the world because that's that's when it feels the most well received. You spoke a bit before about um, the relationship with plastic and human health. Would you talk a little to that?
1: How much time do you have left?
0: (laughs) Um, (laughs) We got all the time in the world.
1: (laughs) Uh, There's so much. Yeah, um, man, where to begin? So as I mentioned, yeah, plastic sheds little particles, but it also leaches chemicals. So... Um, plastic itself, there's like main ingredient plastic, like bisphenol A, which a lot of people see now on labels, BPA free, um, and bisphenol is kind of like a main ingredient plastic. And then there's all these other additives and chemicals that are added to plastic to give it various characteristics, like um, transparency or or malleability or you know rigidity or um, a color, different things. Um, and so all of those chemicals. Um, when they're containing food, say we put um, like a, some pad thai or something in a takeaway plastic um, box or, you know, like the classic takeaway containers or, um, or even like face products that are stored in plastic um, or a coffee cup that's plastic, like the, the material, the plastic, it's not stable. So those additives, which are um, kind of grouped together um, under the name phthalates, um the all that stuff leaches into whatever it's containing, so it leaches into your food into your face products or um hair products or whatever it leaches into your cleaning products it leaches into um your drinks uh and they leach in in um three circumstances so uh if the container is hot or if the food is hot, so if you put hot food into a plastic cup or container or a hot liquid um or if you microwave and um Microwave and plastic, then all those chemicals leach. Um, if the food is contains fat, so if there's oils in your takeaway food, or or like milk, which is fatty, um, or even like your face product if it contains a cream um, or oils, then those those chemicals leach. And uh, thirdly, is just duration. If it's just sitting in that plastic for a long time on the plastic sh- on a shelf for months, or um, so those are kind of like the three ways or yeah occasions that the plastics leach um so we've got leached chemicals uh and we've got the little plastic flakes the particles the microplastics that are shedding from our plastic packaging into you know every time you crinkle a plastic bag or crinkle the plastic bottle or take a lid on and off that's shedding little plastic particles into your food or drink as well as into the air um so we can you know we're exposed to these particles and and um, we take them on through uh, three pathways that we're that we're really aware of. So we ingest them by eating or drinking food that's full of micro particles or um, inhalation. So we we breathe them into the air or absorption through our skin. So actually a lot of beauty products are full of plastics. A lot of um, face creams, anti wrinkle cream. It's just come out. Um, one of the studies that I was privy to in Amsterdam was. Um, yeah, the anti-wrinkle cream is literally just microplastics filling in your wrinkles. And they're they're kind of like this reflective plastic that, um, so it reflects the light. So that's why they look, your skin looks so great. Um, But it's not actually preventing your skin from being wrinkled. In fact, um, now coming into the health effects, we're finding that plastic is actually, you know, intuitively of course it's bad for us Um, and it can cause premature aging Um, and that's kind of like you know because most humans are quite vain that might strike a chord for you but there's so many incredible um, health repercussions uh, for humans and and most susceptible are babies you know small children but also fetuses so pregnant women Um, so you know first and foremost like please if you have small children do not be feeding them food in plastic pregnant mamas like stay away from plastic um as much as possible uh so yeah what are the what are the side effects what does it do well plastic these chemicals it acts like estrogen when it enters our body so if we're spreading it on our skin or eating it, it it'll make its way to the bloodstream and it'll travel around our blood um you know just like any hormone would triggering the the estrogen receptors and we have more estrogen receptors around our body than we do than we have for other hormones. So like hunger, we don't have as many receptors for that hormone, but estrogen, we've got heaps. So this, this synthetic estrogen or this estrogenic chemical that kind of fakes acting like estrogen um, triggers these receptors. And it basically gives our body signals like you're pregnant um, regardless of your gender. So men end up developing breast tissue um regardless of your sex, the hormones just go crazy. Like we, we have mood swings and, um, and which causes, uh, um, emotional disorders it causes depression because we're just like what the heck is going on we just have these extreme lows um followed by extreme highs and um so those are sort of the the things that people may be noticing um and of course since it is a sex hormone it's affecting our reproductive systems so um causing infertility and a lot of people um, but just passing on these things to our, to the next generations, if we are able to have children um, and it's, it's inflammatory. So anything that's um, causing inflammation in our body, then eventually leads to um, can lead to cancer, cancerous growth. Um, it can lead to heart disease. Um, you know, like I mentioned earlier, the the uh, exposure of children, it can lead to developmental disorders and ADHD, Um, attention deficit you know it's um, so all of these things there's so many health impacts and it's costing our economies billions of dollars Um, you know people are are there's there's plenty of research out Um, if people are interested in learning more I direct you to Plastic Soup Foundation Um, they just had a conference called Plastic Health Summit and you can watch a lot of the um, lectures they were filmed so you can watch those online um, just to learn about you know know you know where where to avoid these things how to prevent further exposure and you know we can we we can minimize our risk to these plastics we just use less you know shop at the farmer's markets buy things not packaged in plastic um buy wooden toys for the kids but you you know buy natural materials um it's not don't microwave food and plastic so um making choices uh to prevent our exposure will will make a difference. Um, but yeah, just being aware of all of these things um, so that we can collectively lobby for less plastics, lobby for um, more regulation on our food packaging. And, um, you know, that starts with individual change, like you were talking about earlier, just like, you know, how can I adjust my own consumption? Because that's the biggest thing. We can point the finger all we want at government and corporation, but it has to sort of begin with ourselves um, and our local communities in order for that ripple effect to really, um, you know, form into a large swell of social change.
0: Definitely. And I think, you know, there, there is a lot of work. It is hard to change the patternings that we've been brought up with, especially when the systems have been made really easy for us to consume, you know, and um, I'd like to like talk to that a little bit, you know, to people to know that it does take work, but you know, life should be full of, of work that actually is beneficial to your health, to the environment, to your community. And, and for me, that's that's the most important part of living is knowing that I've worked hard to be the person I am and that I'll continue to work hard, you know, that you don't just hit a point and, and stop going and stop moving, you know, and um, I guess it's all within the, the, the constructs of kind of deprogramming yourself in some ways to realizing that like, with such capable beings and especially when it comes to what we can choose for our life and especially acknowledging the privilege that, you know, Australians and, and Americans have that actually we have choice and that choice is the most powerful thing we can use to change systems, especially when we're utilising our money and where we spend that and really being conscious and aware of what brands we're buying, if they are, you know, just always using plastic or if they are, you know, sustainable and just really giving some time to investigate that or at least having some thought to think, you know, where where did this come from? And what is it in? And just starting with those few simple questions first off can, can help lead you onto a path of a more mindful um, existence. Mm, Yeah. Absolutely. Um, so I know that um, we only have a little bit of time left, yeah. and <laughs> got the largest question. <laughs> but I just want to talk to the climate crisis. Just you know, I don't want to talk briefly to it, but I'd like to just start the conversation, and you know, potentially have it ripple out to um, those who are listening to. Um, really do their own investigation on it but what are some really like strong truths that you that you have kind of um stumbled upon in your research about climate and and what you would really want to like impart on people to encourage them to have a different viewpoint on it Hmm. I think
1: that what's really motivating for um humans is Um, you know, you touched on this earlier, but less about something um, conceptual and and more something from our own personal experience. Um, And I feel like, you know, that's why plastic has become kind of this low-hanging environmental fruit that, um, you know, people can take action on without having to... um, Address the root cause of plastic pollution, which of course is is oil um, that's being extracted from the ground, um, which is contributing to to the climate change because the burning of oil is is what's you know creating all of this carbon dioxide, which is saturating the atmosphere. So um, I think you know looking into your own local area and looking into what changes have happened. Um, over, you know, the decades um, or hundreds or thousands of years in your, where you're from, um, I think it's really interesting to tune into those changes because they're going to be so unique and different across the planet, you know, for our own community here in Byron to have such drought, you know, such devastating drought and lack of rain and, um, you know, not having, uh, and, and then also these like extreme, hot days um to have these combination and then and then also just poor soil management you know poor agricultural practices um all all of these things combined really showing our human impact on the environment or, or human negligence um and how because of our consumption, because of our obsession with faster, more progress, growth, you know, achieve more. And then our discovery of, of combustion, um, which then was able to power our factories and power our vehicles and allow us to transport ourselves around by burning fuel or power our our factories by burning coal and, you know, more progress and more growth and um, less individual, um, work or, or contribution and, um, or making, I guess, and more industrialized making, creating or producing or manufacturing. Um, so that, that trend causing all of this, this burning, you know, this, this heating, um, and these emissions, which then get trapped in the atmosphere, they're saturated, you know, all this carbon dioxide is stuck up there and it's, it's trapping all of the, um, heat on our planet. Um, which is causing the, the sea level, uh, or sorry, causing the ocean temperature to rise, which is bleaching the reefs. The coral reefs are, are heating up, and um, the little zooxanthellae and, and algae they can't, you know, um, live in the coral anymore. They have to, they get kicked out, and. Um, and then the ice caps are melting and the thermofrost is, is defrosting. And, you know, so all of these things, all of these signs that we're heating up the planet across the globe in different, in different ways. Um, you know, I've heard it described as the pyrosine um, the, the era of the f- of fire um, and yeah, to, to feel into that and how um, interesting it is to be, to be on this planet during a time where it's just drying up, um yeah it's so, it's, it's really um, you know it makes me thirsty just talking about it. It makes me just want to drink a bunch of water and then and then that fills me with incredible compassion because you know I have access to water, I have access to clean water um, to bathe in and cook with and, and drink. Um, and that's the real injustice of, of climate change is that so many people don't. And it's the, um, you know, it's not just like plastic pollution. It's not as much an environmental injustice as it is a social injustice as, you know, the impoverished people of this planet are the ones who are suffering the most and already suffering immensely, you know, whether it's it, um, increased natural disasters with no place to go, no refuge and no supplies. and um, no emergency response to, to bring aid um, or, you know, lack of clean water or lack of shelter or um, lack of sanitation. You know, there's so many things that um, the impoverished nations or the impoverished um, communities from, you know, developed nations are, are suffering. And that's, and the animals as well, the wildlife that are, are fleeing the natural disasters. It's just, it's a scary, it's a scary time. Um, and so I think, yeah, there's there's a lot of evidence, and um, and I think you know NASA is a really great source for a lot of the scientific evidence that we can um, draw on. Um, I just put up a blog post recently with a bunch of graphs um, on my blog, which is iquitplastics.com. Um, so you can, you're welcome to, to visit that. And there's a lot of, um, you know, just hard data from like Harvard scientists and, um, the IPCC and, and things that are just showing, um, how global warming is happening faster than ever expected. And, um, talking about the, um, yeah, the different predictions that were made hundreds, you know, a hundred years ago, or even just 50 years ago. Um, and And, you know, so if you need to empower yourself with evidence and facts to be able to have these conversations with climate deniers, which I think is so important, you know, like one of the biggest things that we can do is just educate ourselves. It's so great to be a number and to show up to the marches and the paddle outs and to fight these things. But, you know, we should spend just as much time, if not more, maybe like 10 times more time that we that we spend making a sign for a protest that we spend at the protest we should spend just as much time researching these issues so that we can be an advocate for this um so that we can normalize climate change or normalize the climate emergency you know start to change our vocabulary even so that it becomes real it just shocks me that there's still so much denial of of this very real changing of our planet you know and and I don't think that panic helps. And so if you feel that panic, you know, then maybe studying the really incredible um, drawdown techniques like the innovation around how you know, the carbon dioxide that is saturating our atmosphere is really is a commodity. Like we can actually commoditize that and draw it down you know, through um, planting trees. Like we're already seeing that, that's a huge industry. Um, so there's, there's a lot of exciting things to be, to be studied and researched and educate ourselves on as well. Um, and that's just as important to be talking about because of the panic and the fear that, that comes with discussing these, um, these statistics around how our earth is changing. So yeah, my blog, i got plastics.com has a lot of resources, um, but yeah, empowering ourselves with with the information is just going to make us feel better too, because we'll understand the issue more thoroughly. Um, and just talking to people, like not shying away from those hard conversations, uh, because the more we talk about this stuff, even if we feel like we're not getting anywhere with someone, it might strike a little bit of interest or intrigue or court, even if they might not admit it in a conversation with you. You know, we, it's important that we. That we continue to spread the science and, and um, create new social norms that actually value um, value science, but also value our environment.
0: Mm, yeah. mm, absolutely, oh, you just said it so well. And just also, I love that the point of like making sure that people are, are also researching the hopeful um, inventions that are that are coming to the forefront because of the climate crisis. I think it's really important that we don't, you know, just go into a sense of guilt and close down our frontal cortex and not take any information in because of the way we've been living our lives, but actually see how we can take our sovereignty back, our power back through our own choices and also recognize that there are people out there doing incredible work to try and bring our, our globe back to the balance that it, that it needs and bring the earth back to restoring itself with the help of us because we're the custodians of this land, you know, every single person and it's our responsibility to really show up for the animals and the other living um, sentient beings that occupy this space with us.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that's right. You know, it's like we're privileged. We have the resources to make the change, and you know, like you were saying earlier, we've we've been um, conditioned to satisfy our wants, and um, you know, we we have to just realize and that, that that isn't a productive way to live or a sustainable way to live. And instead of you know being spoiled children, it's time to just say, all right, well, we see now that you know, we had it really good for a long time and um, we had access to a lot and we consumed a lot and we we're very comfortable. Um, and if we continue consuming at this rate, you know, even we are going to be uncomfortable and, um, you know, and, and also recognizing that, yeah, there's a whole other planet of of beings that are a part of this very vast interconnected ecosystem that are affected by our choices. So how can we um, take responsibility for our impact? And how can we um, live with more um, intention? And is that important? Like, it's really just a philosophical debate, you know, like once we see that our consumption has had these like very negative um, impacts, uh, are we willing to take responsibility? Are we willing to make the ethical change or choice um to consume less to to use less materials to buy less to have less you know trendy clothing and just recycle more clothing and repurpose and share and swap and um you know, that's, that's, an, that's an ethical choice. But I think, you know, once we slow down and, and incorporate our mindfulness practices and we're more present to ourself and, and our, our true nature and our, our, this higher self that, you know, our intuition guides us to, to walk that higher path. Um, once we tune into that more, it'll, it'll feel more comfortable. It won't feel so scary or feel like such a sacrifice. Um, it'll just feel empowering and it'll feel right. And, and we'll gain confidence every time we make those beautiful choices full of integrity. Um, and we'll feel closer to, um, to the earth, to each other, to ourself. Um, we'll have more self-respect you know, and that's the sort of thing that's really sustaining much more than like a candy bar or like some cute dress that is going to fall apart or be not cool in two months. You know, if we have, if we have self dignity and self respect, then that's, um, from making these, these ecological choices, then, you know, that's, that's really what I'm after. That's, that's the kind of human that I want to be. That's the kind of world I want to be a part of. Um, and that's the kind of community I, I want to invest in and um, relationships that I want to be a part of. So I guess it's just uh, taking the time to reflect on what truly is important because this is the time to, um, to figure that out um, figure out our true, values and and ethics and morals and then um have the courage to act on them
0: Mm. yeah so beautifully said um i have one last question but i feel like you've kind of summed it up in in everything we've just said but um what's the biggest truth that you've discovered in your time here on earth Mm.
1: Hmm, good question. I think the most beautiful truth um, is that we are all nature, um, that we're all connected. You know, we all breathe air and drink water and eat food that comes from soil. Um, and even the soil, the bacteria in the soil that we ingest when we eat food that's grown, um, you know, organically and naturally and locally, that those bacteria are part of what's so um, healthy for us and important in our diet. And, um, you know, that we're connected um, to each other through the ecosystem that we live in um, on the local community scale, but also on this, you know, planetary scale. Um, And the things that we do here affect people in other countries and vice versa. Um, And it can be frustrating at times uh, when when we don't like the impacts of each other's actions, but it's also so beautiful to feel connected. you know, I, I for a long time was fairly anti-humans because I felt like we were a bit of a virus on the planet and we just were taking, taking, taking. Um, and and you know, I've, I've softened so much in that, and and I'm just so full of compassion for our species, and um, and full of compassion for. You know the individual humans and and all of us on this journey of of awakening as we realize our impact and realize that we are connected and realize that we do depend on nature and not just depend on it, but that we're a part of it. Uh, that's so beautiful to me, you know, when I swim in the ocean um, or surf or you know have go on a big nature walk or get in a waterfall, and i'm and I'm amongst you know some really beautiful, pristine nature and um, just to know that that's our natural state is to be outside and amongst the trees and um, salt water and seaweed and just feeling that um, yeah it's a really beautiful experience and you know I think that that beautiful truth that we are all connected um, you know it's been said many times before that we are one um, and I think that it takes our own, you know, meditative journey to really feel that in our body. Um, But it's, it's so gorgeous to just to to kind of relax and release into that, knowing that um, where we are is, is where we're supposed to be. And, uh, you know, we can't change anything about um, what we've done in the past, but we can change where we're going in the future. And, you know, the collaborative, Working together is um, truly the only way forward because the, you know, there's no tree standing alone in a field in nature. Like that's not natural. It's this beautiful forest of biodiversity of all different plants and animals working together to create a thriving ecosystem. And that diversity is the same for humans. We require immense diversity for different thoughts and ideas and opinions and beliefs and um, And so the more we can experience diversity and the more um, we can contribute our own unique perspective, the healthier our social ecosystem is going to become. Um, And the more that we invest in in our local communities and the more that we work together and support each other, the healthier our social ecosystem is going to become. And the more that we incorporate our ecological practices and share um, what we've learned and share what we're working on, you know, the healthier our social ecosystem is going to become and eventually our environmental ecosystem is going to be incorporated. So, yeah, beautiful truth that we are all connected and we're in this together.
0: Thank you so much, Kate. And I just want to thank you again for spreading such a powerful message um, and really just following your heart and passion and truth. Um, I'm, I'm so thankful to share community with you and to have, um, you know, somebody like you in our community such a strong leader and, you know, not just on a... Um, national level but also international. So thank you for spreading the word. And for people that want to find out more about you, um you have a podcast called The Mercast. Yep. Yeah. Which is um a podcast so basically you're talking more to to climate change and, and just an educational space.
1: Yeah, just interviewing like smart humans, scientists and people working on a lot of the solutions to the to the climate um crisis like we were talking about you know it's just me educating myself basically with a microphone so um learning about regenerative agriculture and renewable energy and just getting um scientists perspective on what's happening to our planet and what we can do about it
0: Mm, amazing and people can follow you on plastic free mermaid on instagram um and they can also check out your site I quit plastics.com
1: yeah that's right thanks Ella it's been such a pleasure chatting with you thanks for the opportunity
0: oh no worries I feel like I could talk to you for like and hours and hours and maybe we'll do a part two of this I'd really love to pick your brain some more and yeah I really really love to highlight your voice and give you more of a platform as I can support you in whatever way so thanks so much Kate
1: thanks, darling thank you